It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North, covering every aspect of your Chicago Bears in their quest to retake the NFC North. We're going to take the North and never give it back. With your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. Hello, and welcome to Take the North podcast, our new original podcast on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcast. We are talking bears. We are going to do this all season. This is brand new. It's going to feel like an old friend before the end of the year. I am David Haw of 670, the score of the Mully and Haw show every single morning. And I am joined by Dan Weeder of the Chicago Tribune. We are here together, working again together. We're thrilled about that, keeping you informed and entertained about this Bears season, the first season of the Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus regime. Take the North is what the Bears general manager, Ryan Poles, said on day one. He vowed to take the North on his first day on the job last January, and we are here to hold him to that. Analyze, report, have opinions on everything that happens. There's been a lot already that has happened, and we'll give you our insight, our opinions based on our experience collectively covering this franchise, which has been through its share of hardship the last 20 years or so. That's how long I've been covering this team. This is beginning my 20th season covering the Bears in some capacity. Dan Wiederer is joining the score. He's been at the Tribune. This is his, I can't believe it because I remember the day he was hired, 10th <laughs> season covering the good old Bears in his hometown, back doing it again, Dan we're old, but welcome. This is going to be a lot of fun. I know you're excited to get started. Yeah, David, I've been excited for a lot of steps of this process of getting this uh, plane away from the gate to the runway, taxiing. I got goosebumps when I heard big radio voice guy give us that intro to start this thing. It's, it's official now. We've got the intro and we're rolling here. I can't tell you how excited I am to kind of have our usual football conversation for a mass audience now, right? We talked about that last week, the, the, the ability to share thoughts with the masses. And again, you mentioned Ryan Poles bringing up his promise to take the North and never give it back. To be clear, he didn't give us a timeline for when they're actually going to take the North. Once he <laughs> takes it, he can never give it back. But right now, I think you and I are both in agreement that it's going to be a while before they actually take it. Well, it's because we have seen what happens at Hallis Hall. And your first season covering the team, and I recall it well, was Mark Trestman's first season on the job. I don't think the Bears are in that situation, but I do think that anytime you're introducing a first-time head coach to an NFL environment and, and having this job, a big job in a market like Chicago, there are going to be things that happen that you don't expect, that you might not be prepared for. And I think we already have seen that, and that's what, frankly, makes this all the more interesting to follow. There's no question about it. I think we're two weeks and two days since the Bears – reported a training camp and a lot of the major headlines that have come out of Alice Hall have been of the surprising variety, whether it's the Tevin Jenkins situation, the Roquan Smith contract standoff, this recent rash of injuries that has put them in a, a position that, that leaves them in a, some delicate situations heading through the rest of the preseason. There's a lot that they haven't been able to account for. You mentioned me being on the beat. Now this is my 10th season. Time does fly. I, Cause it, it does seem like yesterday that I took the water taxi to, to, to Michigan Avenue, right? And walked into Tribune Tower and said, boy, I got my dream job covering the Chicago Bears for the Chicago Tribune. Well, here we are, you know, nine plus years later, the Bears have not won a playoff game. I am on to my fourth head coach and third general manager. That is astounding when you zoom out and say, boy, that is not the, uh, the numbers you want to have if you're a franchise where you have more coaches and general managers than playoff wins. Wait a second. They paid for you to have a water taxi? At the Tribune? Oh, they didn't, I never got that. They didn't pay for it. I took the train down to Ogilvy and then jumped on the, the water taxi to save myself the walk and get the, to, <laughs> to, to the tower on time. And, and, and there it was. That was the start. And here we are all these years later uh, 
about to embark on a new journey here. We're going to get in the water yeah. and we're going to take this ship wherever it goes and we're, and we're going to see what well the bears uh, allow us to see along the way. You must write for a living. Look, everybody knows who follows the Tribune and you work just exactly the kind of care you're going to take and, and how deep you're going to dive into what's wrong with the bears. And this year, there's going to be some things that go wrong with the bears. A few housekeeping things. Okay, first of all, our producer is as big of a Bears fan as you're going to find in Adam Stadzinski. He works at the score as well, and we're thrilled to have him kind of leading the way here because there he is, Studs, we call him. Studs is your prototypical Bears fan. He is sick of every quarterback. He's tired of every head coach, and he wants to fire the general manager. I think that Studs fits well into this context, so welcome aboard, Studs. I'm glad to have you. Hey, guys, it's good to be here. I'm thrilled that, that uh, you're allowing me to produce this thing and, and allow a little more fan perspective into this. Like, yeah, I I, I did. I swear I did not plan to wear a Bears hat and a Bears hoodie the day that we were recording this. <laughs> it, it, it's just part of my daily wardrobe. So, yeah, I'm I'm stoked to get this going and hopefully we. Hopefully we make hopefully we make Bears fans happy with our with our our conversations and I don't know if they're gonna be happy with the play on the field but we'll be here either way. Absolutely. So here's the way it's gonna work. Every Friday before the season starts until it kicks off on September 11th, we're going to drop an episode. We are going to do our best to preview, to look back at the week that was, and look ahead as in the case this week with the Saturday preseason debut against the Chiefs at Soldier Field, the return of Matt Nagy, if you will. So we're going to do that until the season begins. And then once the season gets rolling, Dan, we're going to look for Tuesdays and Fridays because I think Tuesdays gives us an opportunity to reflect and get some context into what we saw on Sunday. And then on Friday, look ahead at the next challenge for the Bears. And you know what? It is the NFL. Is there a league that controls the new cycle any more than them? No way. So we know that there will be emergency podcasts and the kind of things that we'll have to adjust our schedule. But right now we're going in thinking Tuesday and Friday. Yeah, and, and, and it's important, I think, now to kind of let the audience know what this is going to be. I was really excited when we were able to make our grand announcement on social media to see some of the outpouring of excitement from people that are that are eager to, to, to jump into the show and figure out what it's all about. So I gave you and me a small little homework assignment before we get into the nitty gritty of the Bears. Wanted to let people know exactly what this show is going to be. So I asked you to come up with three words of what, how the show was going to be, and I was going to come up with three words. And I'll kick it off and tell our audience, the listeners that are listening to our pilot episode, I guess we would call it episode we'll one, we'll episode one of, of 100,000, whatever we're going to get up to by the time it's all done. Uh, so I will tell you that this podcast is going to be informed. It's going to be informed by two guys who have been around the Chicago Bears for decades, literally decades. You obviously saying that you've been around for 20 years. This is my 10th season on the beat. That's a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge institutionally of what we're dealing with up there. It's collective experience. It's collective resources. It's the ability to reach out to people to help us inform our opinions and our analysis of things. It's the power of observation from being out there and using our own eyes and our own feel and, and, and sensing what a locker room vibe is and what things look like on the practice field when we're allowed to watch. This podcast is going to be informed. I think that's a great way to start it off, Dan, and that's a good word to use. My first word would be compelling, and that's the goal each and every podcast, each and every week, because there's nothing more interesting in Chicago from a sports standpoint than the Bears. It is a Bears town, no matter if they lose 13 games this year or if they end up uh, getting into the playoffs by some football miracle. But I think that compelling is our goal because everything about this team can be viewed in a larger context. That's what we're here for, is to try to put it into those terms. And compelling can be everything. You know, I think that, and you would agree, we're both kind of, let's face it, we're trained newspaper guys. I know yeah. I've been on the radio now since I left the Tribune, but I, I, I'm a trained newspaper guy. That's the way my mind works. We're going to be fair, and by being fair and objective, that sometimes is being critical, but not mm -hmm. over the top. So we're going to say Justin Fields is looking great when he's 21 for 29 with 325 <laughs> and three touchdowns, but you know what? When he stinks and he throws three interceptions and he's 11 for 25, we're going to acknowledge the obvious as well. So that's compelling. What? What? How do you look ahead? How does this fit into you know somebody who fails on a Sunday, the draft decision that was made last April, all these things are connected, and I think between us, we understand how this all works. So I I want to have the goal every podcast to be compelling. 
As an extension of that, I'm going to use the word stimulating as my second word. And that's because it allows me to go down a couple different roads and say, when I say stimulating, I mean, we're going to be entertaining, right? It's not just going to be dry information thrown at you and, and, and make you go to sleep at night when you're, when you're laying and listening to your podcast. It's going to be entertaining. We're going to be funny. We're going to be thought provoking. I think you and I will both agree that the ability to be thought provoking and exchange thoughts and banter back and forth when we share an opinion or when we butt heads on an opinion is going to help stimulate the discussion for Chicago Bears fans and what their team is up to and where they're headed. And so I think that's a good word for, for me to, uh, to to hold us to as we go forward. I don't remember button heads too much with you. Maybe occasionally. I think Biggs was the one I would butt heads <laughs> with the most, but I think we both have experience with that. Big time. Let's butt some heads. Yeah, but that's a good one. That's a real good one. And you know what? If you guys have ideas about what words you think you want to best describe what this pod should be to you at the Bears fan, let us know on Twitter. We have a Twitter account now. You can reach me at David Hall. You can reach Dan at Dan Wiederer, W-I-E-D-E-R-E-R. Also at Take the North Pod. Take the North Pod. You can find it on Twitter. Let us know what you think. My second word, Dan, is current. We're both newspaper guys. We work on deadlines. We know that every day in the week represents something to an NFL team in terms of a goal and objective. We know that Tuesdays have different feelings than Wednesdays and what Friday represents. There's a new cycle that never stops churning. I want to know who they tried out. I want to know what it means. I want to know who's ready according to the injury report. And hopefully by going Tuesday and Friday, we'll be as current as possible because the news never stops with the Bears. No question about it. My final word is honest. And that's to tell people, that, similar to what you said earlier, that this is not a pep rally. It's not a parade. If things are ugly, we're going to tell you they're ugly. If things are going great, we're going to tell you they're going great. I get criticized all the time for being negative in my coverage of the Chicago Bears. And I tell people, again, it's my 10th season. I have covered one winning season in zero playoff victories. If you go back to my time previously in my sports writing career, covering college basketball and Tobacco Road, where in seven years I covered programs that won three national championships, you'd see coverage that was overwhelmingly positive because the results were positive, right? And so that's where the honesty of this podcast comes in. We are not going to be a pile on either, right? This is not going to be, oh, the Bears are down, they're easy to kick, it's low-hanging fruit. We're just going to hammer them away. No, we're going to give the other side of the story on, on where they deserve the benefit of the doubt, how they deserve to be treated more fairly. I'll tell you this, David, because I said this to one of our fellow colleagues out at Hallis Hall this afternoon about you cannot tell if, if the glass is, is 10% full and you see it as half full, that's not being an optimist. That's being detached from reality, right? The only way that a glass half full, glass half empty approach works is if the glass is actually 50% full. If it's right. not 50% full, then you've got to say it's 10% full or it's 80% full. And that's where the honesty comes in. Yeah, and that plays into my final word, which is responsible, because I do think that there's a responsibility to be honest about what you're seeing and what it means without being caught up into the euphoria of being a Bears fan. And that's where I think sometimes your training comes in because we are trained to be objective. We can want certain players to have success, and we can overall hope that you know, the Bears win because it's good for business. But neither one of us are going to get swept away with enthusiasm by seeing something that's not there. And I think that's the responsible way to approach it. And it also is twofold because this is the NFL. There are wild rumors. There's speculation. Even with the Roquan Smith issue we'll get to in the opening drive, there's all kinds of things that are irresponsibly put out there into the Twitter sphere or wherever. Yeah. We're not going to do that. If you want to hear unfounded rumors addressed or if you want to hear wild speculation started, this is not your place to come. We're going to come here and sort through those things and give you the most responsible reporting analysis and opinions that you're going to get anywhere else because of our collective experience. That's the way I think we both have approached it. By the way, when you came to Chicago, I remember being the guy who saw your background and you wrote the book on Coach K, literally, right? And it's like, who's this basketball guy? What's this <laughs> basketball guy got to offer the Bears coverage? And yet, here you are, in the background, you covered the Vikings too. You're a lifelong Chicago guy. The, the experience speaks for itself. So I apologize for ever doubting you basketball man <laughs> thank you thank you it comes full circle well those six words david they give us a mission statement right and studs can grade us every single episode to make sure we check the boxes on all six of those words and we'll see if we can keep that going and, and like you said if our if our listeners 
have some more thoughts, they can chime in and we can add more layers to that mission statement and get down to seven, eight, nine, ten things we want to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Okay, let's get down and get ready and get going with the opening drive. All right, so House Hall this week has been the place to be uh, for, I don't want to say controversy, Dan, but the dominant storyline. Really, the story that threatens to hijack Matt Eberflus's first NFL training camp has been the Roquan Smith contract impasse. He has been a holdout. He has been on the pup list. The Bears removed him from the pup list. He did not practice today. Matt Eberflus, this is Thursday as we talk about it. He was awkward in the way he described it, said, ask Roquan. Roquan's not available. Imagine that because the Bears don't make him such. How would you describe just the effect this has been in limiting the amount of momentum you can feel because of everything going and surrounding the Roquan Smith matter? Well, this week there were developments, right? We had two weeks of sort of behind the scenes nothing. Roquan's sitting on the physically in the middle of the perform list, not practicing. The contract negotiations are going on behind the scenes. It's just quiet, quiet, quiet. And then Roquan decides to kick open the front door and let everybody in and, and, and issue a lengthy statement via national NFL insider Ian Rappaport requesting a trade, right? Was it a trade demand? No, it was a trade request. And it was a lengthy sort of emotional plea that in my opinion, David, was an effort to publicly challenge a front office regime that hasn't accomplished anything yet, right? And and to put them on center stage in front of the masses and say, here's my demands. How are you going to handle this? Now, with that comes the other side of the story. The Bears have the opportunity to punch back, right? And they're not just going to stand there and let Roquan Smith throw them under the bus and say everything's okay. And so Ryan Poles comes out at the Family Fest on Tuesday and addresses the statement. And then the following day, he removes Roquan from the physically unable perform list. Matt Eberflus comes out and says, Roquan is 100% healthy, cleared by our medical staff to practice, and he is deciding not to practice. Why? You'll have to ask Roquan. Well, guess what? The Bears have a policy that you can't ask Roquan why he's not practicing because their policy says that players who aren't practicing don't have to talk. So here we are in this crazy limbo period, but there is a huge, huge bridge that needs to be built to get these two sides to meet back in the middle. And not only did did, uh, Roquan not make any efforts to to, uh, make that bridge, meet in the middle, but I, I think he took out a lighter and burnt down some of the guard ropes on both sides of the bridge to, to, to try and get this thing to, to a resolution. And now they've got more business on their hands. And again, trying to find a resolution is the number one order of business for Matty Bruce and Ryan Poles. Dan, there's a lot of minutia that sometimes we can get caught up in as reporters and w- looking at who says what, when, and what it means. I guess big picture, let's zoom out for a moment. I think that with Roquan Smith not having an agent, it surprised me when he went yeah. public with his trade demand via the NFL Network and Ian Rappaport. I thought that that was arguably pretty shrewd to do because it put the Bears on their heels. And you have said, son, not famously, but I think uh, accurately, that sometimes you know that's how the Bears live at Hallisall, on their Flat-footed. heels. Flat-footed. <laughs> Flat-footed is the way you put it. Well put. So – then I think that, okay, that was, was interesting. But now that the Bears did what they did, and I don't know if it is entirely related to the contract impasse. They removed him from Pup. He is ready and physically able to practice. Now he's got to make a move. I think that this is where not having an agent might hurt Roquan Smith the most. I think there needs to be an adult in the room. I think they need to 
kind of encourage Roquan to strike a compromise position from a contract that we don't know a lot about its structure, but from what we do know from, I guess, reports or people talking about its size is not disrespectful or as disrespectful as his notes message to Ian Rappaport represented. And I think that now you need an outside independent source, an impartial source, if you will, to say to Roquan, Roquan Smith, you are one of the top five or 10 linebackers in the National Football League. You're going to be paid accordingly. This is the security you have earned. Take the deal, strike a compromise, get in camp. So I have a couple thoughts in response to that. The first one being that the removal of Roquan from PUP, the educated guest tells you that this allows the Bears to exercise more options in possibly disciplining Roquan for missing future practices and future preseason games that they want him to play in. Matt Eberflus would not tell us as the new head coach what his method of discipline was going to be. He said in this case, that was going to be up to the front office, which tells you monetary fines would certainly be in the discussion. Not that the Bears are going to, to levy them, but certainly they're able to threaten them, right? And if Roquan's going to send out his statement to, to, to social media via the NFL Network and play that game, well, they can say, listen, now we've got the opportunity to use our leverage, which is one, threatening fines, which is two, you're under contract until March. And if you don't play this regular season, we've got the ability to take game checks from you starting in week one, which is believe starts on September 5th this year, right? So we're 20 some days away from the point where Roquan will start losing serious money, right? And not being able to um, collect his paycheck, right? On a $9.4 million salary for, living. for 2022, which yeah. is pretty important. And so, so that leverage that the Bears have is pretty powerful. Now, neither side wants this to become a leverage game, right? And a blank measuring contest where it's like, oh yeah, you're going to do that? Well, I'm going to do this. Once you start trading punches like that, you're, you're, you're in big trouble, particularly for a guy that the front office and the coaching staff believes can be a big part of their defense. They've expressed that since the day they got here. Roquan wants to be paid as the highest paid inside linebacker, from what we understand, in the history of football. And my argument against that is, listen, if you want to be paid at that level, even though NFL Dynamics say sometimes the next guy up gets the highest contract, you should be the undisputed star at your position. You just said it a minute ago. He's one of the five or ten best inside linebackers in the league. Okay, that's not the best. And so you have to, as a player, and maybe an agent would help with this, understand where you sit on that totem pole and adjust your expectations accordingly. There may be some difficulty from Roquan Smith's side in understanding exactly how he fits in this league and maybe his self-worth is a little bit higher than the way the rest of the league values him. That's the value of an agent to yeah. have – the, the presence of mind to project and to understand the marketplace when you are surrounded by people who are your family or friends or confidants. I don't know if there's anybody in that room that's going to tell Roquan Smith, you know what, Shaq Leonard has a $98 million contract because of the way that he has created turnovers. Yes. It may be great to have uh, tackles for loss and make plays behind the line of scrimmage, but if you're not creating turnovers, you're not creating revenue because essentially it comes down to that. And that's where I think we might be with this impasse is that Roquan Smith wants to be paid more than Fred Warner, more than Shaq Leonard. And I don't know as much as he is next. And that's the way it works in the NFL, oddly, lately. I don't know if the Bears have to bend to that because there is a compromised position. Tell me this, knowing how the way you know the Bears front office and the way it works, Cliff Stein being back involved. He's a veteran. Heck, I remember talking to Cliff Stein about Cedric Benson's holdout. That's how far back I can remember this deal going. That was 2005. Does that give you confidence? Does that matter? Do you think that makes you think he's more likely to be signed than traded? Well, it's Cliff Stein and it's Matt Feinstein, who, who Ryan Poles brought with him to help handle some of these contract negotiation things. And remember, Cliff was outside of the contract negotiation business for the Bears through the entire Ryan Pace era, right? Ryan Pace brought in his own guy, Joey Lane, to handle those things. And so Cliff has been out of this game for a little while. And the league has changed and the players in within the league have changed in terms of what they're doing. And so that's a, another thing to consider just as they try to kind of navigate this and, and, and do this dance. 
My feeling is that Roquan will ultimately sign with the Bears because of what I just talked about with the leverage that the Bears have. Eventually you say, boy, do I want to collect my money and, and, and pay and we can figure this out up the road? Or, you know, do, do, do I play out my contract this year and then, and then hit free agency like, like Allen Robinson did? And then Allen Robinson played on the franchise tag and then Allen Robinson ultimately left for the Rams, right? But so right. there's a couple other things that you brought up that I think are interesting. And I had a, a front office person elsewhere in the league say to me this week that Roquan Smith is capable of making drive-changing plays. What the Bears need him to be is a superstar who makes game-changing plays, right? And there's a big difference, right, yeah, between, yeah. between stopping a drive and winning a game. And I think back to week two of last year, and Roquan in the fourth quarter of a tight game against the eventual AFC champion Bengals picks off a pass and goes to the end zone with a pick six. And I remember at the time writing in a column, this is exactly the type of contributions that the Bears expect out of Roquan Smith and that Roquan Smith needs to make to make that leap to the elite level of linebacker in the NFL. Well, guess what, David? If we sat here right now, we could ask Bears fans and studs and whoever else to make their list off the top of their head of the six signature moments in Roquan Smith's career, I'm not sure anyone gets past the pick six against the Bengals because there haven't been those game-winning moments. There haven't been those plays where you go, I'm going to stop everything I'm doing and, and text this to my buddy so that he sees it, right? It, 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 he's a really good player, but the stars blow up your phone, right? They, they change YouTube highlight reels. And Roquan Smith, I don't think, is in that category yet. I think that's a fair point, and, that, and you can't really argue with that. Before we move on to our next segment, I, I want to ask you one last thing. So you're Ryan Poles. You're, you don't want to set a precedent in buckling to a player and his demands. At the same time, you, you want to create the best roster possible to win, maybe not this year, but down the road. Roquan Smith's a 25-year-old linebacker. Yeah. Everything you said is valid, and I think it's true. But he's also 25, Dan, and he could be in his prime in three or four years still when you are ready to be good. So I wonder this. You do have in your back pocket, if you're Ryan Poles, he's got a year to go in his final contract making $9 million. You have the franchise tag, which will make him, I think, $18 million in 2023 if you choose to do that right now. Is that a direction you think this could be headed if they can't reach an agreement? The, 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 you know, the question is, is, is Roquan Smith a top shelf player at a top shelf position? Right. And I think the, the, the questions around the league are, I don't know. Right. Like when's the last time that you saw Will Linebacker be the engine of a Super Bowl run? Right. And so I think the Bears believe that Roquan can be a helpful piece to winning a championship. I don't think they think he's an engine to winning a Super Bowl. And so now you have to adjust accordingly. And so Ryan Poles now his ideal world scenario in March when we talked to him at the owner meeting was to hopefully reward Roquan Smith, but also to maybe get a chance to watch him play in this system and see how ultimately productive he could be and how much he could raise his game, playing in a defense that is going to allow him to, to run around and make plays and potentially create the takeaways that have been missing in his career. Now you have to change your, your, your method if you're the GM because you're now in a conflict that, to your point, you can't allow to drag out because now it becomes precedent not only in the way you run your front office, but other people looking from the outside in going, boy, they had a homegrown star in there and they messed it up, right? Why am I going to have my player, player X, player Y, player Z come sign big money there if this is the way they treat their guys there, right? And so there's there's a lot that goes into it. I do think that, that again, as we've talked about through this episode, Ryan Poles has the ultimate leverage right now because of the contract expiring in March, because of what Roquan's due to make this year. And so now it's a matter of exercising that in a way that's firm with Roquan, but that doesn't pour more gasoline on a fire that's obviously burning. And it's burning brighter this week than it was burning last week. And the Bears can't afford for that fire to intensify because otherwise everything else they're doing is going to be overshadowed by the smoke that's coming up from from this thing that should have been handled much more gracefully and much more quickly than it has been. And if all that blows up in the Bears' face, we will be here to talk about it. Definitely. It. We will be here to cover it. And we will continue to monitor that because that is, as we started out the segment, the biggest story of preseason, bigger than Justin Fields right now, not overall, bigger than Tevin Jenkins and bigger than any new coach or general manager. you got to get your best player under contract or figure out what direction you're going to go. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. 
Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, now it's time to go to a segment we're going to call Fist Pump, Shrug, or Eye Roll. All right, every week we are going to do this. Fist Pump, Shrug, or Eye Roll. We are going to evaluate something from the past week, which is worthy of either a hey, fist <laughs> pump, a eh, shrug, or oh my gosh, eye roll emoji. Dan, you like this uh, category. You have used it before with podcasts with Rich Campbell, our former buddy, our buddy, a former tripster as well. So this week, uh, what do you think uh, you want to get into in terms of deciding how to evaluate what we saw? Well, you mentioned the name Justin Fields, right? And so I think it's only fair to start there. And Justin has been doing a little bit of a media tour throughout training camp where all the visitors that come in and visit Hallis Hall, sits down with them, gives them the state of the offense, the state of his own uh, well-being. And he had a chance to uh, visit with Peter King, right? When Peter stopped through Lake Forest last week and, and he had some notable comments, right? And I think we have a, a couple of those about Justin's thoughts on, on where he stands and some of the folks that he's working with behind closed doors at Hallisall. You know, I think, you know, Luke's a great mastermind. He's a great offensive coach. He's probably the best quarterback coach I've, I've had in my life. So um, him and Janelle, they work well together. Um, you know, just, just having them both in my room, you know, each and every day. And then Coach Flues comes in there every now and then, just having everybody in there working collectively as a group. I mean, it's going to get me better. And, um, you know, Luke's going to call what best fits our team, you know, what I do and, you know, what everyone else does. So, um, you know, we, we trust him to do that. That was quite a statement, Dan. That was quite a statement. And I think that, okay, I, I am – Want to be careful here because I have three choices. There's only three circles. I I know, I know, I know there's only three choices. Okay. (laughs) I don't think it's worthy to me of an eye roll because I don't want to dismiss it. I like the enthusiasm and I really like the great Getsy. I really do because everybody that I have talked to that I know around the league has not warned me, but prepared me for like, you're going to love this guy. You're going to love this guy. He is like the hardest worker. He is the down to earth. He is this. He's got so much energy. He's got so much innovation. And you know what? He comes from Green Bay. And we can think and I can think and say Aaron Rodgers is the biggest football diva I can remember in recent memory. But Luke Getze coached him. He came from the LaFleur offense. Heck, a couple of years ago, anybody who was Matt LaFleur's uh, or Sean McVay's, you know, uh, uh, connection had a had a connection to him there. People that worked with at Starbucks and gave him coffee working good jobs. And I think Luke Getze is an extension of that. So I don't want to shrug either. I think that I'm going fist pump here. I like the idea that Justin Fields, who, again, off the field, the intangibles, he has presented things in his maturity level, in his football acumen, things that we have complimented and things that we respect. He's been at Ohio State. He spent time at Georgia. He was a rookie, and he had like 17 quarterback coaches last year. Didn't go so well. And now Luke Getze in six months is the best quarterback's coach he's ever been around. To me, that's not just saying something because Peter King's in town. I don't feel like that's empty praise. I feel like Luke Getze is not afraid to coach Justin Fields because he needs to be coached. And he needs to fine-tune his mechanics. And I don't think Luke Getze came in impressed or awed or overwhelmed by Justin Fields because you know what? He just got done coaching the two-time MVP. So nothing's going to phase him. So I am going full fist pump on this one. Episode one, we're already debunking myths that we are going to be overly critical and negative. You're throwing a fist pump up. And guess what, David? I'm matching your fist pump. Two fist pumps for this one. Good. Because I think Justin's comments – signify a level of connection and buy-in that is absolutely critical for the early stages of development in a new offense with a new coordinator. I think there's been a connection from day one, and part of that is all the things you mentioned about Luke Getze's reputation around the league and his ability to connect with players and not come in with preconceived notions on how the offense should run and has to run with no wiggle room for evolving or molding it in different ways. He wants to mold this around his playmakers. Obviously, Justin is the number one guy on that list. And so from day one, he said, okay, what can I do to make Justin most comfortable and by extension, most effective and most productive? And so they're working to find that offensive rhythm right now to get that 
in gear. This is the names I've been duped by by offensive play callers before in my time covering the beats. This this is the names of the play callers that I've covered on my time on the Chicago Bears beat. Mark Trustman, <laughs> Adam Gase, Dowell Loggins, Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor. All right. None of those guys went on to great success after leaving the Chicago Bears. Gase got got two head coaching jobs, but he didn't succeed in them. And so here we are needing to take a little bit of caution on, on proclaiming Luke Getze the savior of the Bears offense just because history tells us let's pump the brakes and, and, and wait and see on that. But I do think there is a notable level of, of urgency that Luke has instilled in, in Justin. Even last week, he said to us, over these next three weeks, for this offense to – to become what we want it to become functionally and competitively heading into the regular season, we got to go up a level and we got to go up at a level with Justin leading that charge. And it's going to be very important to his development that he is the guy who leads that charge. And so I like the demands that Luke Getze has put on Justin. I like the way Justin has accepted those demands. The double fist bump is here for, for, for more discussion. You had to mention Dowell Loggins. Do you remember <laughs> the press box conversation? that after one of the clunkers that uh, the games that he called under the John Fox era during that regime, where I was asking Biggs and you were sitting right next to Biggs in the press box. And I said, okay, Dick, Hey, is it too much to call him doubtful logins in a column? Is it too much? And, and Biggs is like, no, hammer him, hammer him. So, so he became to me doubtful logins from that day forward. So Brad gave that suggestion to fist pump, right? Yeah, right. Fist pump. <laughs> so there you go. So we got that. But that that's what we've lived. That's that's the experience we've lived. You go back even further to the the John Shoop and Terry Shea days and all the other things that, that Chicago's experienced oh. and haven't quite gotten offenses off the ground either. So one of these podcasts will tell some stories about the Terry Shea and Don, John Shoop era. <laughs> yes. Okay, from the fan perspective, Adam, don't want to reduce you to just that, but what did you think when you heard your quarterback, Justin Fields, describe Luke Getze as the best QB coach he's ever had? I, I thought that was significant when you consider, you know, his being at Ohio State and, and he always spoke. You know, I, I know that he spoke highly of his coaches there. And I, I think that's important to hear that he trusts him. And I think it's crucial that Luke Getze worked with Aaron Rodgers in like in. Aaron Rodgers became an RPO master under Luke Getze, right? Which I think is significant and something that the Bears are, are definitely working into their offense just from – I haven't personally seen practice, but I know Dan has. I know that that's going to be a big part of their offense. It should have been last year. Also, I am sick of the of, of the Bears' bad offensive play calls just like you are. It's, <laughs> it's so – like Ron Turner – comes to mind. Ron <laughs> Turner might be the best one of the 21st yeah. century. No kidding. No kidding. So, so and, and yeah, and he wasn't good. So, yeah, I think it's significant. You know, if I would give it a fist pump too. Like, I think that's great that he has trust in him and, and clearly values what he's bringing to the table. And that relationship is maybe the, 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 the most important relationship that we're looking at this year for the team. I agree with that. You can't discount how important – that is to have the offensive coordinator who is described as a quarterback coach, but you want him on the same page with your franchise quarterback in waiting. Okay, that's our shrug, fist pump, shrug, or eye roll segment for this week. Let's move on to the two-minute drill. All right, Dan, so we want to quickly get through a couple of things and, and issues that you are out there. You cover as well as anybody on the beat couple of things that I was curious about starting five offensive line could be in a state of flux, but it seems as if right now, early on, early August, the bears have five guys. They kind of like biggest surprise and biggest development is that Braxton Jones day three pick out of Southern Utah has earned the confidence of this coaching staff to project as a week one starter as a rookie. And that's a big, big deal for a, a organization that's looking to find young building blocks at value prices, right. To, to help, accelerate and catalyze this rebuild and Braxton Jones has been impressive in his ability to take in information his ability to not be intimidated taking one-on-one -on -one reps against Robert Quinn the all-time single season sack leader in the franchise right and just his ability to to kind of be sturdy and steady in there has 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 earned him the right to start there now in the interior I'll, I'll give you your thoughts on Braxton and then I'll tell you a little bit about the the interior and what they're going to do on the right side See, I think Braxton Jones is is one of those guys that I don't have a ton of confidence in, but I'm willing to keep an open mind because I have not studied his college tape to the degree they have. And and frankly, if he's holding up against 
you know, Robert Quinn in one-on-one drills, I'm willing to give him a chance to earn the job and keep it. They know what they're watching. And of all the things we talked about, Ryan Poles being clumsy in the offseason in personnel matters, he could erase a lot of those mistakes by being good in draft evaluation. Yeah. I'm willing to give Braxton Jones a chance. Yeah, yeah, and, and and they are too, right? And that's significant because this organization, with the structure that they have with Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, said from day one, we are not averse to playing young players and giving them their opportunity to show us that they belong. Braxton Jones is certainly one of those guys in the list. The interior of the line, obviously you're working with, uh, you've got Cody Whitehair, who's been starting here forever, and you feel like you can pencil him in and feel really good about what you're going to get out of him there. Sam Mustafer is taking the snaps right now with the first team with the goal being that Lucas Patrick, maybe week one, maybe week two on the return to Green Bay, will come back in and be your starting center. Then you've got Michael Schofield, the local kid, good hometown story here for the Bears, for him to come in as a veteran and be able to, to be your starting right guard and then have a guy next to him with a ton of experience starting in Riley Reef. And so this offensive line, I think it's been well documented that no one in the league views this as a top 20 or even top 25 line heading into the season. But that gives you room for growth, right? And if you can establish continuity and steadiness and some some surprise contributors and pieces, well, then maybe you can can find ways to get Justin going. The flip side of that is if you don't, right, and you find out that guys are either underperforming or can't hold up, well, now Justin's going to be running for his life. And one of the things that's concerned me a lot in this camp is that there have been offensive line breakdowns consistently enough that the tuck and run has become too much of a high volume staple of what the Bears offense is doing in training camp. And you know, as, as well as anyone, that that does not bode well for, for success in the NFL. Quickly, the two minute drill. We know that Darnell Mooney has had a pretty good camp, but we also know the injuries has beset the wide receiving core. Besides Mooney, what names have emerged as guys you're like, oh, wow, didn't expect that. So, Equinemius St. Brown is a guy who clearly has the trust of Luke Getze from their time together in Green Bay. He's clearly earned the trust of Justin Fields because of his understanding of the system that the Bears are installing. And so he's going to be your number two behind Mooney. you got to wait to see how long Byron Pringle is going to be on the shelf with the quadriceps injury. Bayless Jones has missed a ton of time the last two weeks with an undisclosed injury, one of those day-to-day that has now turned into more than a week for Bayless Jones. And so now you're scrambling a little bit. And I will tell you today, on Thursday – the, the, the guy who jumped out to me at practice who has a window of opportunity, I'm not touting him as a future starter, but a guy who can capitalize on all these injuries to the receiving core, Tajay Sharp, a veteran that they got in free agency late and has a chance to take advantage of an opportunity. If other guys are not available, well, guess what? Somebody's going to need to step up in a preseason game against the Chiefs on Saturday and the following Thursday in Seattle. And if you start to make plays, now the coaching staff has no choice but to say, hey, he's available and he's productive. Let's keep him around. Dan, I'm excited about the secondary. Two rookies slated to start there. Jaquan Brisker, I have said on the air, I believe is going to have the best season of any rookie on the Bears. That doesn't discount Kyler Gordon's contributions. I do worry about Kyler Gordon's durability. He has missed some time. What do you think about his, I guess, availability, which is the biggest ability? It's a concern. It's a concern, David. And I told you and Molly the other day on the, on the radio that there's concern and then there's worry. And I'm on the rung of concern on the ladder, but closely putting my foot up and going toward worry because this is not only seven consecutive practices that Kyler Gordon has missed, which will then also keep him out of the preseason game against the Chiefs on Saturday, but he missed the minicamp back in June and he missed some time in OTAs. And when this becomes a chronic sort of historical thing that's on your resume that you're not on the practice field is an issue. And I asked Matt Eberflus, hey, when does that become concerning for you? And he said, anytime you're not out on the field practicing, it hurts your development, it hurts the team. And so clearly it's in the back of their mind that we better have other options in there. The bad news for the Bears is that all their other options to play the nickel corner slot have been injured as well, right? Tavon Young being one of those. And they've had an undrafted rookie, Jalen Jones, and veteran DeAndre Houston Carson playing a lot of time in the slot this week. And, and that's a little bit worrisome when you used your top overall pick and a guy that you wanted to help you right away. Quick question, just your your opinion here. Do you think that Gordon's a maybe propensity to not be at practice or stay on the field? Do you think the concern over potential injury could eventually cause the Bears to think, okay, we we shouldn't move him around as much? When you play in the slot, when you play that nickel role, it's a little bit more physical and demanding maybe the best chance for him to stay healthy and on the field is to stay outside. Depends a little bit on what the injury is, right? And with a regime that is not readily transparent in disclosing the most basic of injury issues, right? 
God forbid that the the 49ers knew it was a calf strain, right? Like that would, that would give them such an advantage to coming in here in week one and win that. So it's hard to know exactly what Kyler's been dealing with because they haven't been forthright with that. And so hopefully when he comes back, you can say, Kyler, what was it that kept you out? And hopefully he'll tell you. And then, and then you can reevaluate from there. Last moment and item for the two minute drill, Dan, I am thrilled about this one. I get to reintroduce bears fans. We get to see it again. Folks, the I formation is something that the running back lines up behind the fullback. The fullback is that guy in the offense that goes in a three-point stance, blocks a lot, carries a little, but it, it, it depicts a team that is committed to physicality, which the Bears have been way too soft under the Matt Nagy regime and, frankly, in recent memory. Kerry Blasting Game is here to stay, right, Dan? Well, certainly for this season, yeah. And, and that's a, a part of the plan to help develop Justin Fields with a very punishing, reliable running attack, right? And so David Montgomery should be as excited as anyone that Kerry Blazing Game is on the roster and in the plans because this guy is here to block. He's here to block hard. He's here to do all the things that fullbacks do, as you just described. And so this is going to be a new wrinkle to the offense that Luke Getze believes will really help them uh, establish that running game, particularly with an offensive line that's still in flux a little bit. And with a young quarterback, that's going to need some help to take some some things off his plate. So uh, be very interesting in the early stages of the regular season. We're not going to see a whole lot. It's going to be a lot of vanilla during the preseason. But but how Luke gets, he uses the fullback, when he uses them, and what kind of results they get when Kerry Blazing Games on the field. Great clutch point with time on the clock still. Our two-minute drill is over. It's time to crown them. If you want to crown them, then crown their ass. David, I, I got to tell you, the previous podcast I did, we didn't have the ability to use that sound clip. So I used to have to do it every week. I used to have to do the Denny Green impersonation and, and, and strain my vocal cords and do that whole impersonation. And I couldn't do it as well as Denny himself just did it there. So it's really exciting for me to hear that. Uh, as you know, this is a segment where we're going to take a, a player, a coach, someone in the media, someone anywhere in the league, and we're going to put the crown on them at the end of every episode and and, and allow people to to, to celebrate the, their accomplishments for the week. I'm starting off with a uh, rare one, right? The kicker. The kicker. <laughs> Cairo Santos gets the crown on the first episode of Take the North for being bluntly honest with the media when he had his uh, session with us earlier this week talking about the field conditions at Soldier Field, which I'm checking my calendar. It's August 12th the date that this podcast is released, the Bears are a long way away from those late fall and winter months where the field becomes trampled. And already it's trampled, patchy, full of holes, and Cairo can't take it anymore and was willing to share it with us. I I think it took a lot of courage for him to do that. I don't know if it was orchestrated, choreographed. No. Or whatever, but he was pretty impromptu, right? He He just basically said that it got so bad that he he expected what he saw at Family Fest and that he to the point where he went to a high school field in Florida in the offseason to try to simulate the bad conditions of Soldier Field? Well, so he, he said, listen, like he's experienced now. This will be his third season as the full-time Bears kicker. He knows what the conditions are like there. He was kicking in Jacksonville at a high school with field turf. And it was so perfect and pristine that there was a day he said, what am I doing? This is this is too easy. I've got I've got a more regularly simulate the conditions I'm going to be kicking under at Soldier Field. So he found a soccer field in the neighborhood that was uneven, had Bermuda grass that was long and and, and made things a little bit more challenging about this kicker. And he said, ah, this feels more like it. This is like home. Right. Which is a sad, sad thing for the Bears that their kicker is seeking out bad playing services so he can more readily simulate things. Let's be clear, though. Cairo's criticism wasn't a complaint. It was more a, these are some of the things you have to take into your headspace as a kicker. He's going out there with a new holder. And so he had to tell Trenton Gill, the the rookie punter that they drafted in the new holder. Okay, come with me. You see this hole here. If we wind up on this yard line for a field goal, I'm going to need you to move your hold either inside the hash or a little bit over here. So you're not putting the ball down on this dirt patch, which changes the the trajectory and and the way I approach the ball to kick. And so these are very shrewd, chess moves that, that that Cairo Santos is in tune with teaching a rookie how to make them and, and, and being in Cairo's words, comfortable feeling uncomfortable, right? And I'll give you the numbers. He's hit 89% of his field goal tries, 94% of his PATs at Soldier Field in his two years with the Bears. Those are good numbers for a kicker who's not kicking it on ideal field conditions. And obviously, as you know, the wind and the weather plays a factor as well. That's tremendous. And he would not be a Bears kicker if he didn't complain a little in the spirit <laughs> of the Robbie Gold tradition. 
because we all know that Robbie Gold saying such a thing would not have been a surprise or raised an eyebrow because he liked to tweak everybody about everything, and he liked to complain a little bit about the condition of the Park District turf. So, all right, real quick, I have a question for you, though. Number one, does this underscore why the Bears are looking to Arlington Heights or at least play along in the, that uh, that mindset because they can have their own field and, and control who's there before games and not? And secondly, Elton John just had a concert there. Can you envision George McCaskey calling Elton John and saying, Sir Elton, what's the deal here? You ruined our field. George McCaskey was uh, forced by his wife last winter or spring to go to a Barry Manilow concert in Las Vegas. Didn't really enjoy that. I don't know what his level of communication with Elton John would be or is, but certainly I could see him making a call and saying, could you next time you're, you come through, could you take it easy on the, on the field a little bit more? Is this a reason for the Bears to move to Arlington Heights? Maybe on page 87? There are so many reasons for the Bears to consider a move to Arlington Heights. That's a whole episode on its own, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point in the life of this podcast. Uh, man, Cairo Santos saying that, though, tells you that the uh, Soldier Field atmosphere isn't exactly the, the top of the line in the NFL. His quote was, it's a bad situation and a bad place to kick as compared to other places. You're not super happy or thrilled to kick there. That's not what you want your kicker saying about your home stadium. No, but we're glad that he did. And for his comments, we will crown him this week's first pod, take the North pod winner of the Cronum segment. All right, Dan, parting thoughts. Bears Chiefs tomorrow. I'm sorry, Bears Chiefs on Saturday at Soldier Field. Matt Nagy comes back to town. The starters will play 10 to 20 plays. What are we watching for? What will you be looking for most? Uh, well, I'll give you one that, that's kind of off the, the radar, but but still notable. Matt Eberflus coaching his first game is important in this regard. Matt Eberflus is, a, uh, Eberflus is a first-time head coach who's never had to manage game situations. He's never had to throw challenge flags. He's never had to call timeouts during a two-minute drill. He's never had to be the guy who's orchestrating all the other coaches that, uh, over the headset on what to do. And if this happens, we're doing this. And if this happens, we're doing that. This is a trial run, right, on Saturday and for the, the, the following two preseason games for Matt Eberflus to try these things out. He was open with us on Thursday and saying that, that he spent a lot of time this offseason working specifically to get himself sharper in situational uh, operations, right, and, and figuring out as a head coach, what do I need to be aware of? Who do I need to be talking to? How do we make this as quick and as efficient as possible this is a chance to try that out in games that don't mean anything so that when the games do mean something, you and I aren't coming on this podcast and shredding him for his game management. Well, we'll have thoughts about his game management in the first time out. I guarantee you that. <laughs> we will share those next week. That wraps up this first episode of the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw. For Dan Weeder of the Chicago Tribune and Adam Studzinski, our producer from The Score, this is going to be a lot of fun. The first episode was a blast, and we're going to be here every Friday uh, for the off season until things get rolling. And maybe even a surprise along the way, what you want to do is you want to follow us at take the North pod on Twitter. We'll have updates there. We'll have the first episode dropping there, whatever, wherever you get your podcast, you want to find us. We are the, on the Odyssey app as well. An original podcast. We're starting things off. We're having some fun and we guarantee you, you will enjoy this. If you are a bears fans, thanks for joining us tonight. We will talk to you next week. 